Well, take your Bible this morning, if you would, please. I'd like to ask you to turn to our theme verses first, Matthew chapter 28, as we stand in honor of God's word. Matthew chapter number 28, Matthew 28, and then if you would find our text in Acts chapter 8. So if you can mark your Bibles in Acts 8, we'll go over and read there as well. We're going to start, though, with our theme verses in Matthew 28, still introducing the new theme. We're going to get into a new series on Sunday morning. We actually just finished uh, the Matthew series last Sunday morning and uh, then also preached Sunday night on Matthew 28. Uh, two verses gave us plenty, plenty of uh, content to consider. I sure enjoyed uh, singing this morning, Brother Aaron, about our resurrected Savior and these are the post-resurrection command. This is the post-resurrection command of our Savior because he's living. We go into all the world and preach the gospel. So let's look at it here together. Um, verse number 16, um, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, because all power is given, go ye therefore and teach, and teach all nations. Make disciples, literally, if you remember from last Sunday. Uh, preach the gospel, see them saved. But seeing them saved is not the end, it is the beginning. Okay, so preach the gospel, see them saved, make disciples. It's a very unique term that Jesus used here, teach all nations, different than the word teach in verse 20, which is where our theme really comes from. So again, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, all nations, all nations. Everybody got that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, name, singular, name. This is the Trinity communicated here. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them, there's our theme, teach them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, or behold, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen, yeah, amen. Okay, now Acts 8, Acts 8, we're going to see this in action, in action, Acts 8, <clears throat> In verse 26, okay, Acts 8 and verse number 26. So again, our new uh, theme for this year is in two words, teach them. Realizing that uh, Jesus said teaching them, but we're going to take it as a charge, as a command to us, teach them, teach them. Okay, so now 8.26 of Acts. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, and we'll go back, obviously, and pick up who this is and where he is and all those details. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, king, queen rather, of, Ethi of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, or Isaiah. Then, verse 29, the spirit said unto Philip, 
Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard the prophet, and heard him read rather, the prophet Isaiah and, say, and said, understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? How many of you ever, I mean, somebody asks you that, you understand what you're reading as you read the Bible? You say, I don't have a clue. Well, join the club, right? Understand, there's times all of us reading the Bible, that's where he was. He was reading Isaiah 53 and Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, how can I? Look what he says in verse 31. How can I except some man should guide me? How can I except some man should guide me. And Philip, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet? Of whom speakest the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? <laughs> there, <laughs> come on now, that's, that's like saying sick him <laughs> to a preacher. Huh? Who's he talking about here? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Wow. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest it, believeth with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, if your Bible didn't have that verse, you need a new Bible. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that out there. We'll talk about it here in just a minute. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, what does it say? Rejoicing. Hey, we've been talking a lot about rejoicing. Well, there's good reason to. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, watch this, he, I love this, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. It's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Here's the title of the message this morning. Someone to guide them. Someone. I hope, I hope that it stirs up or re-stirs in you a burden that they need someone to guide them. Someone. Someone to guide them. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get right into the message here this morning. <clears throat> someone, someone to guide them. A few uh, handful of events has played into the message here even this morning, one of which I was speaking with Brother Preston Rose, which I think he's maybe upstairs helping in the, in the teen church, but... 
uh, speak with him on Friday night. And he said, hey, I, I got to share a blessing with you. <laughs> He's been working on a job up in um, Tulsa and taking a good several weeks. And I was asking about that. And I think that's what spurred it. And he said, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't make it up there. I believe it was on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. We spoke on Friday. It may have been that very day. And, and he said, no, I, I just stayed here and I picked up some tile for the job. But while I was there, I ran into a former um, employee, a young lady that he used to work with at another uh, job. And, and uh, he invited her to church. And, and she said, you know, my fiance and I, we've been thinking about getting in church or thinking that we need a church. You know, hey, can I insert right here? God works in providential ways. So here's a, here's a, young, a person that he hadn't seen in a good bit and, and he invites her to church and she says, well, my fiance and I have been thinking about church because, you know, when you get married, it's important for you to be in church. And well, okay, before you get married, it's important for you to be in church as well. And and so anyways, he invited her to church, but then he asked her, he said, could I ask you this? If you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? And she said, well, I hope that I would. And he said, well, you do, do you know that the Bible says that you can know for sure? And, and I'll, I'll shorten. He went into more of the details of it and, and, and he shared the gospel with her. And right there in the aisle, she trusted Christ as her savior. And she said, I've never had anybody explain this to me. And she said, I couldn't believe that it's really that simple or that easy to understand. In, in fact, I think she said something to the effect of, is that all there is to it? I just have to trust what he did to save me? That's it. That's it. And, and so she, he began to explain some other things to her and, and uh, explain to her the books of the Bible, maybe where to start. And she said, wait a minute, what do you mean books of the Bible? You know, you think about this is just a book. Well, this is a book. Of, well, it is the book of books. <laughs> it is the book of books ultimately, and it is a book of books. And so that was brand new to her. She needed someone to guide her. We had our deacons meeting yesterday and Brother Larry Baker, we were just talking about uh, the growth in the bus ministry and, and seeing kids coming and the start of a, a fifth grade junior church. Uh, uh, we're getting ready to start that here in the uh, very near future, like next Sunday or the next, somewhere right in there. And so anyways, excited about that, uh, that fifth grade start. And and because uh, we've got third, fourth and fifth all together, we're going to split it off because it's growing and, and fifth graders need some extra help. I believe, well, every grade does. And once you get out of grades, you still need help, isn't that right? But anyways, he was, <clears throat> for years, Brother Larry has, has worked in the invitation time, has been very concerned about, you know, that we're very careful with children because, you know, you can easily get any child just to pray anything, but we're not into get, trying to get a kid to just say a prayer. We want them to understand that they're a sinner and they need salvation. And so a lot of times what happens is they come up and, and he says, now listen, the first thing that he and Brother Donnie Bigelow, they, they've been a tag team, I don't know for how many years, but they say, now listen, you're about, they're about to start the games out there in the gym. And, and a lot of those little kids say, oh, games? And they're out of there. Well, they weren't real serious about salvation just yet. So we'll give them a little bit more time to make sure they're understanding. But he said, he said this, he said he just had a fifth grader come to him and, and two of them said this young man and his cousin, these two young men came up and this young man, the, one of them said, he said this, he said, now, now I'm saved, but this is my cousin and he's not saved and he needs to be saved. And Brother Larry got to take the Bible and show his cousin how to be saved. And he trusted Christ as his savior. 
He needed someone to guide him. And how about that? God used his own cousin to lead him to somebody that knew someone and knew how to lead him to Christ. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm listening right now. I haven't finished it, but there's a man that uh, was preaching that was, uh, that was preaching when my uncle that I talked so much about, and I hope I don't talk too much about him, but he had an impact in my life. Uh, my uncle Walter Ayers was an evangelist, um, but a man preaching when he surrendered to preach was named Angel Martinez. Uh, Angel Martinez, uh, obviously, uh, his mom was from Mexico and his dad was from Spain. And, and so anyways, but my uncle told me that when he, the night that he surrendered to preach, he was, I think, going to school still at, uh, at the University of Arkansas and God had saved him. And that's a whole nother story to get into that we don't have time for this morning. But he began to believe God was calling him to preach. And, and I mean, he was, you know, back in the 1950s or so wearing, you know, the jeans and the rolling up the sleeves on the, on the T-shirt and, and uh, just kind of rough looking as a young man. But he, came, he walked the aisle and, and Mr. Martinez met him. And, and he was wearing a flamboyant suit like the, a lot of the evangelists used to wear. Maybe some still do. I mean, it was like, uh, I don't know what kind of a shade of red or what. I mean, it was flamboyant. And, and so anyways, uh, my uncle walked up to him and said, Mr. Martinez, I believe God is calling me to preach. And he said, well, son, if God is calling you to preach, you need to surrender to preach. And then he said this, always look sharp <laughs> in his flamboyant suit. So anyways, I'm hearing more of the testimony of Angel Martinez. Angel Martinez was 10 years old in San Antonio and raised in a Catholic family, baptized as a, as a child, which means sprinkled in Catholicism and, and poured, the water poured as a six-week-old, however old he was, obviously not understanding salvation. And this lady that was their neighbor for six months for six months, uh, came over to their house every, every Sunday afternoon and asked if the children could come with her to their afternoon Sunday school class at this Baptist church. And the Catholic mother kept saying no and no. And finally, she said, okay, okay, I'll let them go one time. And Angel Martinez was the oldest child and he said that he wasn't very interested because his mom had problems in childbirth and she had promised that she would raise him to be a priest someday and he grew up with that mentality. He wanted nothing to do with that Baptist church and, and so the, the, the lady invited them all to come and all of them were going to go except Angel Martinez and he said, I'm not going to go and, and she said, oh Angel, we want you to go and he said, I'm not going to go. He's kind of obstinate about it and, and she put her arm around him and said, that's okay, Angel there'll be another time. And, but I wanted you to know that, that after the time of teaching and the, the time with the young people that we have ice cream and we have cookies. And this was 1935 during the depression. And he said, it had been a year since I'd tasted ice cream. And he said, what time do we go? <laughs> And so he went to that. I don't have time to get in all the, the account that I'm listening to right now, but, but he was there and he got concerned because there's a hundred kids there and he thought maybe they're going to run out of ice cream. And so he wanted to be the first in line and he got to be first in line. And that, that gentleman heaped on there, those scoops of ice cream. And, and, and after the end of that, he enjoyed that. But, but at the end, the man that gave him that ice cream, that super, superintendent, he put his arm around him and said, young man, we're glad you came and patted him on the back. And, and he, Angel Martinez patted him on the back and said, I'm sure glad I came too. 
But in the course of time, he kept going to that little Baptist church and revival meeting was taking place and a, an older Baptist preacher preached the gospel and Angel Martinez walked the aisle and he got saved. You know what he needed? Somebody. Somebody to guide him. Somebody to lead him, and then he surrendered to preach, and God has used him to reach other people. I'm just simply saying to you, it's got to start somewhere. Our text this morning is introducing us to a man that was from Ethiopia. And if you notice, in fact, Brother Sam, I, I was reminded as I look back at some notes, uh, how that you pointed out that there was a man, a eunuch, and there was some man named Philip, and then there's some other man named Jesus. And this morning, I want you to think about this, that they need somebody to guide them. They need somebody to guide them. Now, now I want you to think about this up front. You're on one, one of two sides of that equation. Someone to guide them. There's a large crowd here this morning. There's a good number here. It's very highly possible, and in fact, I hope so, that there be someone here that's been invited by somebody else. It may be that a family member's invited you or a coworker or a friend or somebody just came up and knocked your door or somebody has given you a track every week from Southwest Baptist Church. I mean, if you're a waiter, waiter or a waitress, you've probably got one of these tracks multiple times and you said, okay, finally I'll go. It may be that you're like that eunuch. You're like that man there that came up and, and, and you're seeking something. Maybe you, you lay your head down at night and you know that there's something that's missing, but you don't know exactly what it is. And you maybe even have tried to, to read the Bible, but it feels like you're reading something from the IRS. You need somebody to guide you. But I, I know this morning that the vast majority here are, are those that, that are indeed saved. Can I, can I remind us here this morning? There's a city right here in Oklahoma City and people living right here, just like I just told you a few stories about, that need somebody to guide them. And I, I believe God maybe is just stirring us up to remember that we have been given a sacred commission, a great task, a great responsibility. It'd be a shame if somebody came to a crossroads in their life and they were open to hearing the gospel, but there was nobody there. Crossroads everywhere, but there was no one there to show them which way to go. Someone to guide them. Someone to guide them. Hey, I, I, I want to I say this morning, that's why we're having a church planning conference is because that there's somebody in, in, a, in a city across America that needs somebody to guide them. It's an interesting passage of scripture as, as Philip, Philip is one of the first deacons of the, the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem as, as it was assembled and they were growing and, and the preachers needed to give time to, to the ministry of, of preaching the word and praying. And so the Holy Ghost uh, separated certain men out like Stephen, who was a man, the Bible says in Acts 6, that he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm thankful. If I could just make a few statements here along the way. I'm thankful just having met with the, the deacons of Southwest Baptist Church that, that these men understand they're not a board. And they understand that they're here to serve. And they are men that are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And they're not 
perfect men and neither is their pastor a perfect man. But hey, I thank God for the officers of this church that understand that I'm not just here to, to, to uh, fulfill my role in this particular, but I'm also to be a soul winner. And that's so important. So here is this man, Philip, and he was a deacon and he was a soul winner. Well, the chapter number eight starts out and actually he's in Samaria. Okay, let, let me back up here. The gospel really started to go forward in Jerusalem among the Jews. Jews were being saved. But do you remember what Jesus said? He said that you are to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea, the region around Jerusalem, and in Samaria. Samaria. Samaria is where those that were half Jew and half Gentiles lived. And the Jews didn't want anything to do with that mixed race. But God did. Amen. Most Jews would go around. Our Savior went right through because he wanted to speak to a Samaritan woman. Are you listening to this this morning? And so uh, there was the Samaritans and then there was the innermost part of the earth. And so what was happening is that they filled Jerusalem. In fact, that was the, that was the sentiment of the Pharisees is that you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. <laughs> You've been preaching and there's so many people being saved. It's like everybody's being saved. Man, it was on. The only problem is, is that they weren't going out like Jesus said to Judea and Samaria and to the othermost part of the earth. And so God sent and allowed persecution and that scattered the Christians, that scattered the believers. And so they went further north. And so Philip went to Samaria, preached in a public setting and people got saved. It's awesome, we don't have time to go into it, but he preached the gospel message and people were saved, a man like Simon and others that were there and they were, some of them were in the occult and, and there was various religious ideas that were there. But I'm just simply here to tell you, friend, listen, the gospel can cut through all of that darkness. So Philip preached there and, and as he comes to the conclusion of that ministry, the Bible tells us that, that as he was leaving, as Peter and John had gone up there and, and then as they were leaving, that the Holy Spirit of God, the angel of the Lord even uh, involved in this as well, but, but told him to go to, towards Gaza, just like we're hearing about in the news. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. Brother Switzer is right here. Just raise your hand. I, I hear him so often either pray or preach or talk about God. Would you intersect somebody with the gospel? Intersect it. So here you have um, Philip that's on his way maybe back to Jerusalem, but the Holy Spirit is recalculating his route and tells him to go towards the south, down towards Gaza, like the Gaza Strip. Have you heard something about that recently? God cares about the people that are there. That's a thoroughfare. It's right, let me pull the map down, okay? The Mediterranean Sea, it's right here. As you come into Egypt, then further south would be now Sudan and, and, and uh, Ethiopia further south. So at this time, Ethiopia is a little bit further to the north, the upper Nile. And, and so you, you'd have like basically where South Egypt is and Northern Sudan, that area would, would have been considered then Ethiopia. And so uh, this man is on his way back down. I'm talking about the eunuch now. A eunuch is a court official. And so he's an official to this, this uh, wealthy individual, the queen. I mean, come on now, this is a, this is a man of high status. 
He's on his way back down from Jerusalem. Who is this man? The, the text tells us a little bit about him. Uh, he's a eunuch. He's, we don't know a lot about his nationality. Some say that he's a Gentile. Some say that he's a Jew. Most likely he's a black individual. And, and so either way, I mean, here he is. He's, he's not into idolatrous worship. He went to Jerusalem for the Passover. So he is at least a proselyte. He's at least converted to Judaism and he's on his way back from the Passover and God tells Philip, Philip, I want you to go towards the south, towards Gaza. Now, wait a minute. Things were going great. Things were going great there in even Samaria. I mean, Philip could have just stayed right there or he could have went right back to Jerusalem and had a very meaningful ministry and just stayed there and, and he's going to go on up to the north. I mean, Philip is everywhere. I love, the more I study about Philip, the more I like Philip. I mean, this is just awesome. His tenacity with the gospel and his energy to go. But, but anyways, the Holy Spirit of God leads him and guides him and says, I want you to go towards the south, towards Gaza, towards the desert place. And you and I would think, why? There's not very many people there. It would be a strange bit of guidance from God. But you know, our God has been known to guide his servants in ways that don't make sense to us, but he knows where the intersection is, where this man's gonna be and where Philip needed to be. And so he's on his way there on that desert highway, out, maybe we could say it this way, out there in the middle of nowhere. I just ran into a man that, that was the very first person that I got to disciple in Springfield and, and Randy Miller, and he was driving down the road in a semi-truck, and I think he was listening to Andy, or sorry, uh, Charles Stanley, and, and he heard the gospel, and he had to pull over on the side of the road, and he trusted Christ in his 18-wheeler in his and, and it was truly saved. Thank God. Hey, God can work on the side of the road. You don't have to be in church to be saved. You, you could be at your workplace or at your house or, or garage or on the side of the road. Hey, here is, here is Philip now joining himself and he hears the man read. Read one man that said most at that day and time would read out loud. So he's reading out loud and it just so happens. Oh, no, no. It's not coincidence, friend. It is this, it is providence that he's reading from Isaiah 53 the track of the Old Testament, the soul winning, uh, the gospel of John 3, 16 of the Old Testament. He's reading there about Jesus. Do you realize to this day, the Jews don't want other Jews to read Isaiah 53 because it's too closely aligned with who Jesus is. To them, it is the forbidden chapter. But here he is, he's got the scroll out or he's got, <laughs> he's got the scroll out and he's reading it out loud. And he reads, let's, let's read it again in, in the verses that he, that he read there. He's reading and it says, uh, the place that he read in verse 32, he was led as a sheep. Can you hear him? He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before a shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And he kept reading out loud and Philip joined closer and he heard him reading about his Savior. And the Holy Ghost said, join yourself to him. And Philip booked it. it was, he ran and, 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 and asked him this, understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? And, and the man's answer came back in this way. 
can I? Except some man should guide me. You know what he's saying right there? I'm lost. I don't, I don't understand. Is this, is this talking? What a great question. Oh, come on. Sometimes what you need to do is get a revival just by getting around some people that don't know. Get around some new believers and let them ask you some questions like, well, what is this? And inevitably they're going to take you to Revelation, but nonetheless go with them. But what does this mean? And, and but he said, who's this reading about? Is it, is it about himself or is it about another person? Who is this about? And, and Philip began right there and preached Jesus to him. Amen. You see, friend, because I might take occasion right here as well, because there may be someone that's here that is like that man from Ethiopia that, yes, you're religious, but listen, he was religious, but he was going religiously lost back home. It's not enough that you are in church. It's not enough that you've been baptized. Oh, no, friend, listen. Salvation is not in a religious rite. Salvation is not in some group. Salvation is not in baptism. Salvation is not in good works. Salvation is in a person, and his name is Jesus. And the verses that he was reading about is how that he wasn't treated justly. He was, a, he was without sin, and yet he was crucified. He was crucified for your sin and for my sin, and his judgment was was taken away and his life was taken. Really, he gave his life for you. He gave his life for me because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friend, listen, you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do to save yourself, but there's a great savior who came and died in your place and was buried, but thank God he rose again and he'll save anybody that was here. That's what the eunuch heard. And he said, Here's water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Well, Philip made it very plain in verse number 37 to say this, before you can be baptized, you've got to be saved. You see right there, does everybody see that? Baptism is not connected to salvation in the sense that water washes your sins away. There's not enough water in this world washing all the sins away. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And he said, if thou believest. Now, the reason I pointed that verse out is because there the Bible references, the Bible versions that don't, other than the King James that, that are using a Greek text, they're using a text that doesn't have this verse. But friend, listen, this verse is in the text. This verse has been preserved. This verse is vital to our understanding. We're getting ready to have the church planning conference. And I, I love the story of Brother Matt Farinella, who just recently they merged. They had another church that's too much to go into as far as the story. But he wanted to make sure, somewhat like what we had with McKinley Avenue Baptist Church, only we didn't have to wonder about what they believe. It was straight down the line. But he had to do about a year or more worth of work to talk about the doctrine of baptism in the local church and, and, and the atonement that it's for everybody and re refuting Calvinism and all those things. He walked through it. But one hang up was the Bible. And what he did is he preached one message. In fact, let me, let me get to the text that he sent to me. You're going to enjoy this because uh, he preached one message. And because some of them were thinking, well, being a King James reader is not a big deal. So here's what he did. He said, I preached the entire message from verses that are not in their Bible. <laughs> I called it five essential lessons to live by from five passages that they didn't have in their Bibles. The response, he says, was hilarious. I didn't even let on till the end that anything was amiss. I think the point was well taken and no one has asked questions anymore. Brilliant. 
So this man says, here's water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And, and Peter, uh, sorry, Philip says to him, if thou believest and thou mayest. In other words, if you've been saved, then you need to be baptized. And notice this also, they went down into the water, both of them. And so he baptized him, which means he went under the water, picturing the Lord's death, his burial, and his resurrection, just like your old life is buried and you got new life in Jesus. That's what baptism is. And then Philip went on his way and went up towards the north all the way to Caesarea Maritima. And, and then the eunuch went on his way, but he went home different that day because he had somebody to guide them. Hey, here, here's what I want you to see. If they're going to have someone to guide them, then there must be people willing to follow God's guidance. If they're going to have somebody at that intersection to guide them, then there must be somebody here that's willing to follow the leadership of God in your life to get to them. And, and don't think I'm speaking right now just to the college students, although I will. That's for every one of us as believers. Everyone here that is saved needs to be sensitive to God's leadership to go out with tracks and, and be ready to witness to somebody. Preston Rose is not called to preach that I know of. No, he's, he's, he's a man that's working here amongst the youth and caring about people, but, but he's a builder. He's a, he, he works with his hands. He lays tile. He, he builds, he does stuff I can't do. But he cares about souls. Are you listening to this? Well, Bob Wright cared about, about uh, Preston Rose. That's a whole nother story in itself. Well, who's Bob Wright? Bob Wright was a police officer, but Bob Wright is, is a member of this church. Bob Wright cared about, his, about this man. There's another part of that story as well, but, but somebody was at the right place, right time, right heart with God, and somebody was there to guide them right when they needed it. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God wants to use us, but we've got to be sensitive to God's guidance and God's leadership and be in a place where God can use us when somebody's there that needs guidance. You think about how many are here and they're, they're so confused about the matter of salvation. They just need somebody to help them understand. Uh, our friend, Brother R.B. Willett, I, I love one of my favorite statements from him is this, soul winning. That's what we're talking about today on one half of this verse is soul winning. Soul winning means that you share the gospel with somebody else. You share the good news, the truth with somebody else. Soul winning is a passion, not a program. We have a program on Saturday mornings that goes out where people go out and knock doors and follows up on absentees and, and makes visits. That's a program that supports our passion. Friday night, people go out. Tuesday night, people go out. Thursday night, people go out. I mean, virtually, in fact, it ought to be that way. Soul winning is a passion, not a program. Brother Willette is going through cancer, and I understand just had his voice box removed here not too long ago, maybe a month and a half ago, something like that, much like our own Brother David Jordan went through. But the last thing he did with his voice was he got to lead the nurse to the Lord. What are you doing with your voice? What are you doing with your voice? Which, by the way, I appreciate Brother David Jordan, who even after he got his voice box, he kept teaching fourth grade boys until he went to Brother Sam. And you hear Brother Jordan. Uh, he may be here today, but I love him. Uh, hey, he stands over there and sings. He's watch if he's not here today, he's watching by live stream. And, and he stands there and he sings. Hey, what's your excuse for not singing? 
What's your excuse for not teaching? And he did to the point where he came to Brother Sam and said, hey, this is just a little bit more distracting to the boys. They're just kind of mesmerized by my voice box in the lesson. I'm saying to you today, we've got to be somewhere to guide people. Be there to guide them because there's, there's individuals that desperately need somebody to care about their soul. It may be that God wants you to get involved in Fishers of Men. Brother David Perkle here teaches a Fishers of Men soul winning course and can train you how to take the Bible and show somebody how to be saved. You say, Brother Gaddis, I really want to, but I don't even know where to start. Get some training. Be ready. Be, be prepared. Be ready with your Bible. Be willing to cross cultural boundaries. Don't let past hangups keep you from serving God. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on now. Don't, you say, well, man, God can't use me. Hey, God's got you where you are. Yes, yes, you're, you're a sinner. All of us are. But do, do what you need to with God to be right with God because God, God has you someplace. The Spirit of God will lead you. The Spirit of God will guide you to, to be ready if you, if you won't be hung up by your past problems. Hey, God's got a future for those that's got a past. Your past doesn't define you. Who you are in Christ defines you. Yes. Gentleman that just was saved and, and the, the helped me find the, the truck, which I'm thankful to God for. We were doing our discipleship. I met him at, uh, at a restaurant and, and here, here's how this went. I'm focused on discipling him. He says, hey, you think we could talk to the waitress? And ask her if we could pray for her. And you know, what do you do right there? You say, hey, I'm the spiritual one here. Come on. I said, no, Brother Kelly, man, that's awesome. Let's do that. And, and, and I'm telling you, Brother David, we did. And I was going to anyways, but I, I, I love it. It was in his heart to speak to her about that. And so I asked her, hey, wh what can we pray for you about? And, and boy, she just opened up and, and, and I can't you know, just share all that right now, but, but it was evident that she was at a place where she wanted somebody and needed somebody to take an interest in, in sharing the Lord with her. Now, from her statement and what she asked us, she knew the Lord, I, I, did, I didn't go into all that, but I'm just simply saying, every one of us, ought to be sensitive to the people around us. There's a lot of things that Southwest Baptist Church could do. There's a lot of things that we do. There's a lot of people that we help financially. I think that's right, don't you? People get down, need help, absolutely, sure. No doubt about that. Food, clothing, shelter, oh yeah. But what did our Lord send us to do? He sent us to preach the gospel. There, there's a lot of issues that we need to address. And, and, hang on. And will in the course of preaching the Bible. There's a lot of societal issues right now, isn't there? We need to take a stand against the woke culture. We need to take a stand and vote. And vote according to the book. There needs to be a stand taken, and I appreciate it. I just got a, a video from Brother Jerry Ross out in uh, Jasonville, Indiana, and they put up the crosses representing the, the lives that were taken in abortion. They've done that for years and years and years. There needs to be somebody that takes a stand for the unborn, and by God's grace, may we ever do so. Yeah. 
There needs to be those that will take a stand for the life of the elderly and take a stand for what the Bible says on gender and take a stand and stand with Israel and stand against marijuana. While we're at it, and other drugs that are altering the minds and behaviors of people and staying against the lottery and staying against, how, how long you want me to go on all this? Staying against all these things. Hey, listen, we need to do that. But listen, dear friend, listen, dear church members, what we are commissioned to do is to go and preach the gospel to every person publicly and one-on-one. -on -one. And then we see lives changed. We shouldn't be surprised that lost people are acting like lost people. I'm not saying we don't address those matters, but the best way that you and I can be involved in addressing those matters is just share Jesus with, with them. Let Jesus change them from the, from the inside out. They need someone to guide them. That's why we have Sunday school classes. They need someone to guide them. That's why we run buses. We didn't run them this morning because of the temperatures and just trying to be responsible and, and such, but, but we run them. I, I, miss, I miss the young people being here. You, hang on, hang on, wait a minute. You know, you know what this means? That means there's over 300 people that normally are here that aren't here today. Am I right about that? Close to 400, I guess. Where, where are we at? I don't remember. We're, yeah, anyways. That many people that aren't in church today. They need somebody to guide them. I'm glad that on a regular Sunday, when the conditions and circumstances are right to, to run the buses and to bring them in safely, I'm thankful to God that there's somebody to guide them. Uh, if Philip went and sat beside somebody on a chariot, it's good that we go and sit beside somebody on a bus. Yeah, those are our chariots. Bringing them in. If they're going to have somebody to guide them, then they need to have somebody that's willing to follow God's leadership in their life. That's why we have preaching services. It's why we emphasize personal soul winning. It's why we conduct youth ministry and college ministry with a focus on preaching and teaching the word rather than entertaining. It's why we're hosting a church planning conference. It's why God has entrusted us with the responsibility of being a host church to Heartland Baptist Bible College because people out there in the world, unreached people groups and people right here within the United States of America need preachers that will be serious, not messing around, but that serious about following God's leadership in your life. You, you've, thought, you've thought I forgot about preaching to the students. No, I didn't. Right here. Listen, you're, you're here and just like an Alex Buford was at one time to learn because there's somebody in Uganda that needs somebody to lead them and to guide them. Thank God for the day that God intervened in the life of the Buford family and, and stirred them up and sent them now to Uganda. But I don't think God's done. There's still metropolitan areas and there's still rural villages and rural towns across this land and other lands that have young people and children and adults alike that need somebody to guide them, which means you need to be somebody that God can guide. What? and honor and privilege. Amen. And what a great responsibility. Let's be sensitive to God's leadership. And when the Holy Spirit says, join yourself unto him or her. And you see that person at work and maybe they got their Bible open and maybe you could go over to them and ask them, do you understand what you're reading? 
And they say, you know, my grandmother gave this to me, but I have not the foggiest idea what in the world this is about. Where are you reading? Leviticus. Okay, let's go to Matthew. <laughs> right? Right? They need somebody to guide them. Will you be that someone? To tell them about that other man, namely Jesus. To that man or that woman or that boy or that girl. Because you might have somebody come up to you and say, now I'm saved, but my cousin, he's not saved. Could you show him how to be saved? Or you might have somebody that says, well, I hope I can go to heaven, but I don't really know if that's for sure. Preach Jesus to them. Teach them. God, would you help us? We want to be the soul winners you want us to be. We want to care about souls. We want to conduct the ministry in such a way that honors you and that follows the Holy Spirit's leadership. There's a lot of distractions. There can be a lot of discouragement. Lord, but, but ultimately, we've got a great opportunity ahead of us here. And Lord, I thank you for reminding me that there's, <clears throat> there's many that just need someone to guide them, like an Angel Martinez or like a Walter Ayers or others that now we, some know as household names, but at the time they were a boy or a teenager. But God, I pray that you'd help us to guide them. Lord, um, I pray for anybody here today that doesn't know you as Savior. I pray that the message would hit home with them and they'd understand that there's only one way to be saved and that today would be the day that they'd call on you for salvation. Please, dear Lord. God, I'm thinking about even the services that we'll have in, in the deaf ministry for this very intent that people might more clearly hear the gospel and not work through interpretation. Oh Lord, would you please use that to see souls saved? They need someone to guide them. So God, since they need someone to guide them, would you guide us to them? In Jesus' name, amen.